With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, hello, hello. This is Minister T and you're with the Bridge Network. On a Monday night, we are studying Purpose Driven Life Bible Study Series. Uh, we're going to get started in a few minutes. Um, uh, so if you hear a bit of silence, just hold on a bit. Uh, we'll get started in a few seconds. God bless. Hello, 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 and praise the Lord. Again, you are joining us uh, with the Bridge Network uh, for Purpose Driven Life Bible Study, and we're so excited to have you on our uh, Monday call uh, once again, um, and just uh, pray as the Lord is leading us through the study, and he revealing his word unto us that we can apply these things to our life. Um Again, this is the Bridge Network. Uh, We're in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, If you check us out on our website at www.thebridgenetworkintl.org, you can also pick up this call uh, on our streaming uh, on our the Experience tab on our website, and you can actually hear it from your computer. Or uh, always call and tell a friend that we're on the line on Monday nights and they can dial in to 724-444-7444 and the caller ID is 135209. So we always ask that you invite a friend, tell somebody that we're on and we're learning about the Word of God. Um, so we're, we've been going through Purpose Driven Life and uh, Pastor Rick Warren, number one uh, selling book, uh came out, uh, I believe, in kind of like the late uh, late 80s, early 90s, I believe, uh, and uh, was a powerful reading and study 
And uh, he brought it back again a couple years ago and has revised it a little bit. It has a a different, a slight different flavor for a younger generation, things that are applicable uh, for them to understand and to apply how to live a purpose-driven life. And so we've been going through and having a blessed time uh, being able to share. Uh, so we're going to continue on and get started uh, and uh, just kind of recap a little bit of last week, not too much in detail we always invite you to go back to our archives. If you actually go to www.talkshoe.com and actually pull up our page, Purpose Driven Life Bible Study, or if you search for Minister T1, you can actually pull up all of our archives that we have out there. And so you can kind of catch up if you're just joining us and hear what we've been talking about. We are kind of like pastors book is designed by days, so uh, in the book it says we're at the 13th day, but we've actually kind of at the 13th week since we're taking it week by week, um, So, but having a great time. So we're going to get started. We're going to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to move straight forward into our lesson on tonight. God, we thank you for this opportunity to worship you uh, in spirit and in truth and to worship you in your word. Well, we know that your word is living and it dwells inside of us. And, God, that we can feed upon this word, that it can strengthen us, empower us. But most of all, Lord God, that we can worship you. And as we worship you, Lord God, that we can share your word with someone else. So we just thank you on tonight. We pray that our minds are open, our eyes are open, Lord God, our hearts are open to receive. We pray, Lord God, that our ears are open, open to hear you on tonight. Pray, God, that you would speak, Lord, now through these lips and that we would hear your voice, be empowered, be uh, charged, Lord God, to do what you've called us to do as we pursue a purpose-driven life, a, a life that is purposed and made for you. So we just thank you on tonight for those that are on the call, those that will be on the call, or those that will listen to this recording. We know, Lord God, that every thing is done decently and in order and is in perfect and right in due time, in your time. So we know, Lord God, that whenever this uh, word is heard on tonight, it will be, Lord God, for that now experience. So we thank you now. We give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor. In the matchless name of Jesus, amen. Praise the Lord again. This is Minister T. For those that have just joined the call or uh, just picking up with us, uh, we're going to jump right in uh, and just kind of uh, do a little recap. Uh, not much, again, just a little recap about last week. Um, we've been talking about uh, relationships and building friendships uh, with God and, and God being our best uh, friend. And on last week we talked about developing our friendship with God and that uh, we have to make a choice to do that, that uh, he does not force us to have a relationship with him, a friendship with him. And we, we talked about the definition of friendship and best friend and all of that. And in that choice that we make uh, in having a relationship with him, in, in James 4 and 8, it says that we, you know, to draw close to God and God will draw close to you. Uh, knowing that uh, when we draw close to God, that he draws close to us. But when we distance ourselves from God, we don't want to talk about God. We don't want to talk to God. We don't want to have anything to do with God. Well, then God does not force himself. 
uh, on us. And, in fact, he's always there. It is us that walks away, that strays away. Um, but he's always ready. And the thing is, it is our choice. It is our choice to have a relationship. And it's just in our human relationship. There are certain people that maybe you choose not to befriend or you choose not to befriend them as a best friend. That is a choice that you make. So when you make that choice, you draw yourself away from that person, which means that you don't communicate with that person much. You may say hi, that's about it, uh, if anything at all. Uh, you don't have a, a intellectual conversation, a detailed conversation. You don't share, share your deepest secrets and concerns and, and cares with a person that you're not building a relationship with. Uh, and so the same thing is with God, is that if you do not want to have a relationship with him, that means you don't communicate with him, you don't talk to him, you don't share your deeper secrets and, and your cares and your wants and your desires. So if you're not doing that and if you don't draw close to him, as James says, that then uh, he he won't draw close to you. And it is you that has to come to him because he's already there which means that he goes nowhere. The thing is is that we walk away from him. And so as we're talking about uh, developing a friendship, the first thing is choosing to have a friendship with God, choosing and making a choice to have a relationship. And as we talk about relationships and friendships and having a best friend, it comes with communication, that you have to talk to your friend. If you have a best friend or have a friendship with someone, you cannot have a deep and, and, and loving and caring uh, and intellectual relationship with a friend that you don't talk to. Now, there are people that, yes, you have had developed friends over the years. In fact, maybe you had friends that you grew up with. But the thing is, you developed a relationship long enough that even now, if you don't talk to them every day, you know that they're friends. Why? Because over the years, you've been through thick and thin with them. So now that maybe you've gotten older, you don't talk to them much. I have friends like that where we grew up together. I love her. She loves me. We have a very strong bond. We have a sisterhood. And we don't talk to each other, but... I assure you, I think about her, and I know she thinks about me, and, and I pray for her, and I know she prays for me. And the thing is that, yes, we don't talk every day, but, you know, over the years, over, uh, I would say, 18 years of just friendship, being together day day to day, that we develop such a strong bond of a relationship that even if we don't talk to, get to each other on the phone, we still have a connection. So the same thing is with God, is that we have to develop a relationship with him, even to the point that you have a connection. Yes, maybe you don't talk to him like 24 hours during the day, but when you develop a relationship, such a relationship with God, that you can you can just have a communication with him that you feel his presence without even saying anything. And so that's the place that you want to be. That's the place that you need to develop when you're developing a friendship. There has to be some form of communication. There has to be some form of drawing close. But there's also a choice. So last week we talked about the choice and the choices that you have to make. You must choose to be honest with God. We talked about that. You must choose to obey God in faith, and you must choose uh, to value what God values. And we talked about those things and making those choices, and we even referenced uh, 1 Timothy, the 6th chapter in the 21st verse that says, 
And, oh, dear, my dear Timothy, guard the treasure you were given. Guard it with your life. Avoid the talk show religion and the practice confusion of the so-called experts. People get caught up in a lot of talk, can miss the whole point of faith. Overwhelming grace be kept with you. And, and and the message just to Tim, Timothy was is that don't falsify uh, your relationship with God. Don't be phony. Uh, don't do this whole real uh, ritual thing that people do. Don't do this 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 talk show uh, kind of religion thing uh, where you're you know when you're in the limelight or when people are watching you you're you're so spiritual but. Then when the light is off of you, then you're something else. Uh, or you're so deep, you know, and you're such an expert and an intellectual that you you can't even uh, uh, naturally listen to to someone. As as uh, Timothy was being instructed, he was a young man, but yet he had to minister to some some elderly folks and and and, and scholars and people like that. But yet he was anointed. God had given them the wisdom to be able to speak his word, and so many that were experts did not even want to hear them, didn't want to listen to them. And, and so uh, um, uh, Paul was just letting them know, don't be discouraged, you know. Uh, don't get overwhelmed with uh, what they say, but just guard your heart, guard your life, guard the treasure that God has given you. And and I like what he was saying there is that, that God has given us something, and, and we have to make sure that we don't allow other people to diminish or take away our worship. You know, uh, we don't get so caught up in the ritualistic things of worship that we're just worshiping like everybody else. But to guard what God has given us, guard it with our life, that there is then a, a spiritual level that we can go to in our faith and, and to be able to worship God, to be honest with him, to worship him and obey him in faith, and, and also then to value what God values, not to be so caught up in self and what self wants and what self wants to do, but to value, to value uh, what God values and to understand what God values. And so that leads us right into then uh, tonight as we're studying um, we're we're going to go a little bit deeper as we talk about worship. So it takes us into this place of worship and understanding worship. Um, so the 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 title of today's or tonight's lesson is worship that pleases God. And the uh, one of the scriptures to support is Mark twelve verse thirty. And I'm reading from the NIV. It says, "Love the Lord your God with your heart." with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Love the Lord your God, and notice it said, with all your heart, not just partly, with all your soul, not just partly, with all your mind, not just partly, with all your strength. God wants all of you. And that and that that's the ultimate word on tonight is that God wants all of you. God wants all of you. He doesn't want just part of you. He doesn't want just part of your time. You know how we get busy sometimes, so we do a quick prayer, or or we know we're praying, or we're worshiping, or we're studying, and then all of a sudden we get distracted, and then we say, okay, well I get back to it, and we never do. 
God wants all of you. There needs to be a time that you need to desire to want all of God That's so that you're not distracted and that you're not pulled away, that you know, you know what, this is the time that I must study, that I must meditate, that I must uh, read the word of God, that I must pray uh, and be with God and, and to sincerely give God all of you. Uh, I like it to give God all your best not just halfway, but to do the the most ultimate things for God and not to just halfway do it. Do it in excellence because he deserves it. Um, God wants all of you. God wants all of you. So the question on tonight is, what is more pleasing to God right now, my public worship or my private worship? That's the first question. What is more pleasing to God right now, my public worship or my private worship? And then the second question is, what will I do about this? So you have to answer the first question. That is, what is more pleasing to God right now, my public worship or my private worship? And then the second question is, after you answer that, what will I do about this? So at the end, as we always do, we're going to open it up uh, for discussion. But I want you to think about that as we're going through this and ask yourself, what 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 is more important, your public worship or your private worship? And then from that answer, what are you going to do? Uh, and what is the plan? So on tonight, we just know this alter, this thing that we know. If you don't understand anything about this study on tonight, is to know that God wants all of you. That 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 you know that's the message right there. That God wants all of you. God doesn't want a, a part of your life. Um, he he asks for all of your heart in Mark twelve and thirty. He says he wants all of your heart. He wants all of your soul. He wants all of your mind, and he wants all of your strength. And, and when I thought about that, I said, Wow, you know why all? And then I thought about this. You know, if God doesn't have all that the world will try to take, get it, get get up in the mix and take it from you, that that the world and the adversary, he's trying to get all of your heart, he's trying to get all your soul, he's trying to get all your mind, and he's trying to get all your strength. So wouldn't it be better then to make sure that you get, instead of allowing the devil to get all of it, that you allow God to have all of it so that then he can be a protector of your soul, protector of your mind, a protector of your strength, a protector of your heart. It Wouldn't it be better to give God all of it so he can protect all of it so that we don't get half of it and then we allow the adversary to get the other part and mess us up totally? So God wants all of you. God is not interested in a half-hearted, committed, partially obedient, and and he doesn't care and, and doesn't want the leftovers of your time and your money. He desires your full devotion and not just little bits and pieces of your life. And, and, and the thing is, we can understand this from a, a human side. When we have a relationship, a friendship, either it be a marriage, a, 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 a husband, a wife, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, whatever kind of a best friend relationship, whatever relationship, don't you want all of them? Even to the point that even from a human 
perspective that if you're talking to somebody, you're having a conversation with somebody, and, and, and you know that they're not even paying attention to you, that, you know, you're really trying to get them to, you know, you're having this engrossed conversation. Maybe there's something you really want to say to them and you want to share it with them, and, and you don't have their full attention. Uh, they don't have, you know, they're not all there. Doesn't it get irritating? After a while, I, you know, sometimes you can have conversation that's kind of like casual, but when you really, really want to talk about something or you really, really want to get the intimate part of a person and, and they're, they're somewhere else because they're giving you half of them and not all of them, it becomes very irritating. The same thing is with God is that if you're giving half of him, half of you, which means that you're here sometimes and sometimes you're not, sometimes you're praying and sometimes you're not, sometimes you're paying attention to him and sometimes you're not, that becomes irritating. He wants all of you. God is a jealous God. He don't want to share you with no other gods, no other idols. He wants all of you. He wants all of you. And when you really think of it, when you give him all of you, then you get all of him. And that is the, the most ultimate thing, and that's what he's telling us even on tonight, that he desires your full devotion. So he doesn't want these little itsy-bitsy pieces where we show up one time and then the next time we're not there anymore. And, in fact, in the Bible it says that the Samaritan woman even tried to debate Jesus, uh, you know, on the on the best time and the best place to worship and on what kind of style of worship. And, and Jesus replied to her, uh, that the external issues are irrelevant. The place, the time, the style of worship, he, he's letting her know she was so caught up in, in what it looked like and, and, and where it's supposed to be and, and when it's supposed to be. And, and he said these are external issues. These are, this is irrelevant. Where you worship is not as important as why you worship. And let me say it again. See, where you worship is not as important as why you worship because you can go to a place to worship, but if you're not worshiping the right way, it's irrelevant. Where you worship is not as important as why you worship and how much of yourself that you offer to God when you do worship. So even if you go to the place of worship, but you're not there to worship, why you worship for him, and then if you're not there to give him all of you, but you're giving him just part of you that you worship him, and then all of a sudden you're doing some other stuff for you, then all of it is null and void. It's irrelevant. So he's letting the Samaritan woman know that it's not about the place, the time, and the style. It's It's about who you're worshiping. And the way you're, and not the way you're worshiping, but how much of yourself are you offering to God? Are you giving God your all? And see, this is a uh, people look at this and say this is a, a this is a right and wrong way to worship. But the Bible says, let us be grateful and worship God in a way that will please Him, which means that worship is not for us; worship is for Him. And the kind of worship that pleases God is in these four characteristics. So we're going to go through these four characteristics. So uh, if you have a pen and paper, you want to write these down, uh, we're going to go through these four characteristics. The way to please God. So here are the ways to please God, four characteristics. The first one is God is pleased 
when our worship is accurate. God is pleased when our worship is accurate. See, people often say, I like, I like to think of God as, and then they share their idea of the kind of God they would like to worship. But we can't just create our own comfortable and political image of God and worship it. That's called idolatry. See, worship must be based on the truth of Scripture and not our personal opinions about God. See, even the G- Jesus told the Samaritan woman, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So he tells the Samaritan woman that true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So the key thing here is no matter what and no matter how you think you're worshiping, you must worship the Father True worshipers worship the Father in spirit and in truth. To worship in truth means to worship God as he truly is revealed in the Bible. So it doesn't, it's not our personal opinion that we worship God because uh, he has curly hair or we worship God uh, because his, his hair is long or we worship God because of, of what the picture looks like that's on our in our picture frame, in our homes, or we, you know, it's not based upon that. It's based upon the, what it, the scriptures say. And the scriptures that truly reveal are revealed in the Bible. That's how we worship in truth. So the first thing, the first characteristic then is God is pleased when our worship is accurate, which means that we are worshiping based upon the scripture and what is revealed in the Bible. So that's the first thing, accurate. The next thing is God is pleased when our worship is authentic. God is pleased when our worship is authentic. So when Jesus says you must worship in spirit, see, the first time he said worship in truth, that means to worship accurately. That means to worship based upon the Bible. Worship based upon the scriptures, not based upon what somebody said, but worship based upon the scriptures. So the second thing now is, is God is pleased when you worship, when your worship is authentic. So now Jesus tells her to worship in the spirit. The first thing was to worship in truth, but now he tells her to worship in spirit. And so he wasn't referring to the Holy Spirit, but he was referring to our spirit. See, God made us in his image, and we are spirit that resides in the body. And God designed our spirit to communicate with him. So worship in your spirit, worship is your spirit responding to God's spirit, which means that when we truly worship and we worship in spirit, our communication to God is from our spirit to his spirit, which means it has nothing to do about 
the, the ritualistic prayers that we do and that we say because we say them so naturally and they flow out so naturally because we've said them for 50 years and we said them and it's just this routine thing and we get to, we pray, but the question is, are we praying from our spirit? Meaning that he desires us to worship in spirit, desires us to worship from our spirit the image that he has created inside of us that resides in our body, and he has designed it so that when we worship in experience, worship in spirit, that is our form of communication with him, that then we worship in spirit and we respond then to his spirit. And then it's just like a telephone conversation. Like we're on the phone together and we're talking back and forth and we're hearing from each other and and both of us are speaking in English and we're talking in English or it may be folks talking in French or Spanish or whatever the case may be, but they're communicating. God has a level of communication as well as that when we worship and we speak to him spirit to spirit and we talk to him from the spirit, the spirit that dwells inside of us, and we worship him and we talk to him in spirit, we communicate with him in spirit, and he communicates back to us in spirit. And when he does that and he speaks to us, then we are able to hear him, understand him, be able to discern him, hear instructions for him, hear him communicating with us in this communication as he responds to us. So when Jesus said, love God, then with all your heart and your soul, he meant that worship must be genuine and heartfelt. See, it's not just a matter of saying the right words. Like I said, it's not a matter of saying what we've been saying 50 years or uh, 60 years or, or, or 30 years or 20 years or 10 years or whatever, however we've learned how to pray. It must be genuine and it must be heartfelt. doesn't matter uh, the saying. It, 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 it's not just a matter of saying the right words. You must mean what you say. So even heartless praise is not praise at all. It's worthless. And, in fact, it's an insult to God when you're just, you're just singing because somebody told you to sing or you're worshiping because they said, okay, stand up and, and lift your hands and sing a song. And you, uh, you know, and, and you're just doing it nonchalantly. There's no feeling in it. There's no, there's no intimacy in it. There's no desire. It's worthless. It's worthless play, praise. It's heartless praise. And if you praise like that, that is an insult to God. It's an insult to God when you do that. Because it's almost like, yeah, I'm just doing it. I really don't care. I'm just here. You know, I just, you know, I don't feel, you know. It's an insult to him. So when we worship, God looks past our words to see the attitude of our hearts. I love that. When we worship, God looks past our words to see the attitude of our hearts. And I I just love that because it, it just gives even more clarity that no matter the words that flow out of our mouths, because sometimes we get so caught in certain prayers that we can say them to the point, you know, we we already know what's going to flow, what's going to come out because we say the same prayer. It doesn't matter about the words 
So we can say the words, but if there is no intimacy behind the word, he is looking for the attitude of our hearts. So the, it has to be the word and the attitude. In fact, the Bible says man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. God is looking at the heart. He Man looks at the outward appearance, but God is looking at the heart. He wants to see your heart. So since worship involves delighting in God, it engages then your emotions. So when you begin to delight in God, it takes you to the next level. So your worship begins to elevate because now when your worship is heartfelt and not heartless, it takes you and it elevates you. It engages you, and it engages your emotions, and it takes you to another level. So then what God does is he gives you then this place of emotion that then causes you to worship him with the deep feeling. But those emotions must be genuine, and they can't be fake. You can't, you can't, as they say, you can't fake the funk. You can't fake it, and God will know if you're faking it because he's looking at your attitude. He's looking at how uh, spirit and in truth, how deep you are. He's looking at your emotions that are deeply felt, that you feel them. And so God is looking at that, and you can't fake it. God hates hypocrisy. He hates hypocrites. He hates people that say one thing and they do something else. He hates that. He doesn't want showmanship. He doesn't want any kind of pretense. He doesn't want a phoniness in worship. If you're going to worship him in a phony way, if you're going to worship him with no heartfelt worship, if you're going to worship him being distracted, totally not paying any attention to him at all, then don't worship at all because it insults him. He wants your honest, real love. And we can worship God imperfectly, in, in, in but we cannot worship him insecurely. In, in we can worship God, and yes, it, it does not have to be perfect. There can be some imperfections about us because of what we are in our bodies, being human. But we can't worship him where we're kind of like halfway there, kind of insecure about our worship. We should got to be full force about, you know what, I'm going to worship him. Why? Because I love him. There Again, it goes back to, it doesn't matter the place you're at. It doesn't matter the time you do it. The thing is, 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 is why? Which means that you got to be secure in knowing that when you worship God, you know why you're worshiping him. And, and it comes to the truth. One, you worship him because of what the scripture says he is, who he is, what he did for us. That's, that's the first thing you worship. So you got to be secure in that. And there is nothing beyond. You can't move outside of that. You cannot worship him if you're not secure about who he is. If you if you're still trying to wonder out if he's God or not, if you it, it is you cannot give him full worship. There has to be a, a, a sincerity in it that you're sincere. You can't worship him and not be sincere. There has to be a humbleness in your heart. So in your in in sincerity. 
that's not enough. It's not alone. You can't just, uh, it's not wrong, but there's certain things, other things that you have to do that beyond the spirit, beyond worshiping in truth, worship must be also accurate and authentic, but it also must be God-pleasing worship, a deep, intimate worship uh, uh, that is emotional and doctoral, meaning that it, it involves our hearts and it involves our heads. It involves our hearts and our emotions, but it also involves our consciousness of knowing that God is the God that we serve and that we desire to worship him in spirit and in truth. So uh, sometimes what we do is we get so emotionally, in this day and age, we get so emotionally caught up with the music and, and, and it's the move by the music that then we then feel that we are moved by the spirit and we feel that then that's worship and that's the same, but it's not. Real worship happens when your spirit responds to God and not just a musical tone. It, 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 real worship happens even if you don't have music because real worship happens, again, from the truth that you can sit back and reflect and, you, and, and say, you know what, he, he, he died for our sins. You know that he hung on a cross. You know that he went through so much infliction and pain for me. You know that he shed his blood for me. You know, and and to begin to think of all the things that he did, what the scripture in the in the Bible says that he is love, and and that's where the emotional part comes. And there's no music playing, but yet I can get caught up in the truth and worship him on the truth. And then worship him, then taking me to the next level of our, my emotions to just think back and say, you know what, if you hadn't have done that, I wouldn't even be here. I would have lost my mind. I would have died. I would have went crazy. I, there are things that you protected me from that I didn't even know I was in danger with. And when you begin to look at that and to look at where God has brought you from, it takes you to another level, and there's no music. But yet, you can worship him even without a musical tone. And in fact, some sentimental songs sometimes hinder our worship because it takes the spotlight off of God. And it begins to focus on our feelings. And there are songs like that that talk about our feelings and it had nothing to do with God. In fact, there's some songs out there that you don't hear God, you don't hear Jesus in it. It's all about me. And it's all about the worship in me. Not that it's a bad song, but the thing is we have to be careful and to know that there should be a place that brings us back to worshiping God and magnifying God and not taking the spotlight off of him. So some of our biggest distractions in worship become ourselves because of our interests and then our worries over what other thing, you know, other people think about us, other how other people think uh, uh, the way we worship. Because they may say, well, we, you know, you worship like that, you do that, you, you know, and we get distracted by the way that other people think the way we worship. 
And we can't get caught up in that. We can't get distracted by the concerns about ourselves, but to make sure that our worship aligns with the Word of God. See, Christians often often defer on most of the appropriate and authentic ways to express God. But these arguments usually just reflect personality and background differences. There are so many uh, discussions and so many arguments that come up about worship and the way you worship and the way you worship God, and all of it is uh, caught up with who's right. But yet nobody looks at the alignment that does this worship align with God. And there are many forms of praise that are mentioned in the Bible, but yet sometimes we get so caught up in these conversations about worship. We get caught up in conversations about, oh, uh, well, you can't worship if you have uh, uh, women wear pants or or wear jeans or or where you look like. Where does that come from in the Bible? Where it shows me in the scripture, it says to worship him in spirit and in truth, which means to worship on his word. His word says he loves us, that he'll never leave us, that he'll never forsake us. His word says that he'll always be there. His word says that he doesn't, he says, come as you are. He says to come, bring your heart, surrender unto me, worship in spirit and in truth, to worship, to merge yourself in emotion, and it has nothing to do about me. It don't have anything to do about me the way I look. But it has to do with my heart. He's looking at my heart, not what I got on the outside. He's looking at my heart, but yet we as as, as people, Christians in church, we argue about these things and he's and it's it's and it's annoying to him because he's like, You're not you're not worshiping me. You're concerned about you. You're concerned about the way it's done. Instead of why it's done, you're concerned about where it's done instead of why it's done. And so we get caught up in this, and, and, and then we don't recognize that there were so many ways of worship. There's so many ways of worship. There's, and in the Bible, it talks about there was some that worshiped him through confessing. Some did singing. Some did shouting. Some did standing in honor. Some did kneeling. Some did dancing. Some did make joyful noise. Some did testify. Some did by playing musical instruments. Some did by raising hands all throughout the Bible, all types of worship. But yet we get caught up in the kind of worship, the style of worship. But the best style of worship is the one that most, the most authentically represents your love for God. is based upon background and personality God gave you. And nobody has your background and nobody has your personality, which means that when you worship in the truth, worship in spirit and the truth, and you worship from your heart, nobody can duplicate that because you are the originator of it. There was a, a Pastor Rick says that there is a, a author by the name of Gregory Thomas. He wrote a book called uh, Sacred Pathways, and he he wrote and he said that he noticed that many Christians seem stuck in a worship rut, a, a unsatisfying routine instead of having a vibrant friendship with God, because they force themselves to use devotional methods or worship styles that don't fit the way God uniquely shaped them, which means that sometimes we get caught up in worship and we're worshiping and we're worshiping because it fits whoever the worship leader or the person that's 
doing the worship, and the per the person that's giving the worship is the worship leader, which means it's not the worship imitator. Is the worship leader. That person is just helping you to lead you into the atmosphere so that then you worship God with who you are, your uniqueness. That's what God is looking for because he shaped you uniquely, which means that you worship uniquely. There is a unique, unique way about your worship because your background is different and your personality is different, and God gave it to you. But Pastor Rick says his friend wonders, he says, if God intentionally made us all different, why should everybody be expected to love God in the same way? As he said, as he reads Christian classics and interviews mature believers, he says he discovered that Christians have used many different paths for over 2,000 years to enjoy the intimacy with God, some of them being outdoors, studying, reading, uh, writing, singing, dancing, creating art, serving others, having solitude, enjoying fellowship, and participating in all different kinds of activities. All that when you do it from the heart and you do it for the intimacy of God, it is worship. And he says even in his book, he wrote his book, Sacred Pathways, he says he identified nine ways people draw near to God. The first way, he says, is the naturalist. They are uh, most inspired to love God outdoors and in natural settings. He says there's another group called the sensationists who love God with their senses and appreciate beautiful worship services that involve their sight, their taste, their smell, their touch, not just their ears. And then he says there's traditionalists. They draw close to God through rituals and uh, symbols and liturgies and understanding structures and, and hymnals. And then he says there are the aesthetics who prefer to love God in solitude or in simplicity. Then there's the activists who love God through confronting evil and battling injustice and working to make the world a better place. And then there's the givers who love God by loving others and meeting their needs. And then there's the enthusiasts uh, uh, who love God through celebration. And then there's the contemplators who love God through adoration. And then he says the last are the intellectuals that love God by studying with their minds. So there's no one-size-fit-all approach to worship and friendship with God. But the one thing is for certain is this. You don't bring glory to God by trying to be someone he never intended you to be. God wants you to be yourself. He wants you to be yourself. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for, those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in worship. He wants you to be yourself. So here's the other way. Here's the, here's the other way to please God. God is pleased when, you worship, when, when our worship is thoughtful. God is pleased when our worship is thoughtful. Jesus' command to love God what with your 
whole mind, with all of your mind. And in fact, he repeated four times in the New Testament, he repeated, love God with all your mind. God is not pleased with thoughtless singing of hymns or praying of cliches or careless exclaims of praise the Lord because we can't think of worship as being mindless and meaningless. We must engage our minds. Jesus called thoughtless worship vain repetitions. So we have to make sure that we don't get caught up in vain repetitions where we're just saying things, but there's no thought and process. It is mindless and it is meaningless. We have to engage then our minds. Even biblical terms can become tired cliches from overuse, and we stop thinking about the meaning of it. When we say our scriptures, there should be an intimacy involved. Yea, though I walk through the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, which means that when you're saying that, it's not that you're just saying it, but that you are literally believing that even when I walk through darkness, I will not fear. Why? Because he is with me. So that when we say that, we're just not saying it, and we're just not believing it, but we're engaging our mind so that we don't say just vain reputations and vain cliches and biblical terms, and we stop thinking about the meaning. Because it's so much easier to offer cliches in worship instead of making efforts to honor God with fresh words in fresh ways. That's why Pastor Warren says, I encourage you to read Scripture in different translations and in different prayer phrases because it will expand your expression of worship. And even try pleasing God without using the words or the phrases, praise, hallelujah, thanks, or amen. Instead of saying, instead of saying we just want to praise you, make a list of synonyms and use fresh words like admire, respect, value, reverend, honor, appreciate. And he says, also be specific. If someone approached you and repeated, I praise you, ten times, you would probably think, for what? You would rather receive two specific compliments than 20 vague generalities. So would God. Another idea is to make a list of different names of God and focus on them. God's names are not arbitrary. They tell us about different aspects of his character. In the Old Testament, God gradually revealed himself to the Israelites by introducing new names for himself, and he commands us to praise his names. God wants our corporate worship gatherings to be thoughtful, too. Paul devotes an entire chapter to this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And in that, he concludes, everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. And even related to this, God insists that our worship services be understandable to unbelievers so that when they're present in our worship gatherings, 
Paul observed this thing. Paul says, suppose some strangers are in your worship service when you are praising God with your spirit. And if they don't understand you, how will they know to say amen? You may be worshiping God in a wonderful way, but no one else will be there to help. So even being sensitive to unbelievers who visit your worship gatherings in a biblical command, to ignore this command is to be both disobedient and unloving. For a full explanation of this, he says that we can read this in the chapter that talks about worship can be a witness in uh, the purpose-driven church, where he talks about being able to have a worship that is universal so that then the worship takes each person to the next level and no one gets left behind. The next thing he says, and then I'll be closing out and I'll open up for comments, he says that uh, what what God is looking for is God is pleased when our worship is practical. God is pleased when our worship is practical. He says that the Bible says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So why does God want your body? Why doesn't he say, offer your spirit? The reason why is because without your body, you can't do anything on this planet. In eternity, you will receive a new and improved, upgraded body. But while you're here on earth, God says, give me what you got. He's he's just being practical about worship. You've even heard people say, I can't make it to the meeting tonight, but I'll be there with you in the spirit. Do you know what that means? Pastor Rick says, and I agree with him too, nothing. (laughs) He says his words with this. As long as you're on earth, your spirit can only be where your body is. So if your body isn't there, neither are you. In worship, so, and, and I like, and I would think to say this, that if you can't be there, you say, I'll pray for you at the meeting so that wherever your body is, your spiritual worship is there, then you can also issue up a prayer, although you're not in there and in the presence of everybody, that your prayer is being lifted up. So I would say that, but I do agree with him that, when you say, I'll be there with you in spirit, it's impossible because your spirit is with you in body. So in worship, we are to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Now, we usually associate the concept of sacrifice with something that's dead, but God wants you to be a living sacrifice. He wants you to live for him. So however the problem with a living sacrifice is that we can, we, let's see, however the problem with a living sacrifice is that it can crawl off the altar, and we often do that. We sing onward Christian soldiers on Sunday, and then 
A-W-O-L on Mondays, AWOL on Mondays. In the Old Testament, God took pleasure in many sacrifices of worship because they foretold Jesus' sacrifice for us on the cross. So now God is pleased with different sacrifices of worship. He's pleased with your thanksgiving. He's pleased with your praise. He's pleased with your humility. He's pleased with your repentance. He's pleased with offering of money. He's pleased with prayers. He's pleased with serving others. He's even pleased with sharing with those that are in need. All of those are part of true worship. But real worship costs. David knew this, and he said, I will not offer to the Lord my God sacrifices that have cost me nothing. So one thing worship costs us is our self-centeredness. You cannot exalt God and yourself at the same time. You don't worship to be seen by others or to please yourself. You deliberately shift the focus from yourself. When Jesus said, love God with all your strength, he pointed out that worship takes effort and energy. It is not always convenient or comfortable. And sometimes worship is a sheer act of will, a willingness to sacrifice. So we have to make sure when you praise God, even when you don't feel like it, when you get out of bed to worship when you're tired, or when you help others when you're worn out, you are offering a sacrifice of worship to God that is not comfortable, but it is pleasing to him, and that pleases God. So I'm going to end on tonight, and I'm going to open it up for comments or thoughts on what we shared on tonight about worship and, and just giving God our full worship. I'm going to open up the lines right now. God bless. Good evening, Mr. T. This is uh, Eunice. Just want to say very, very awesome lesson, awesome lesson. And this is a reflection. I was actually, as you were um, uh, doing the lesson, I kind of reflected back even as a, a child. And I, I've pretty much been in church all my life. So I kind of thought back that when I uh, first received God and how, you know, coming up as a child, how I would watch older people give God, uh, how they would worship and so as a child coming up, you uh, uh, you watch other people, and, and I, I kind of understand that as you grow, and not necessarily in age or in standing up, but just grow in, in your spiritual growth, and you start to have uh, your own uh, uh, connection, your own relationship and fellowship with God, that you begin to uh, reflect back. And so when you do give your praise and worship, it, it does come from a personal level and a personal relationship that you have with him. And I was just reflecting, thinking back as I progressed in my spiritual uh, awareness of who Christ was and who he was in me, that when I do give my worship, and I, and I do understand how uh, uh, Pastor Warren kind of broke it out into how it's supposed to be, that we can pretty much recognize that when there's a true worship, it's because we're reflecting back it just the things that not only happen as a child, but things that just happen to us even on the, the day before, even that, that very present morning, you begin to just realize how good and awesome he is. And so when you tap into that place of worship, I think it's a personal 
reflection of how you feel, and you were kind of elaborating, like if we love someone, how we care for someone, we give them our own, uh, we give them uh, uh, total uh, uh, attention. And so that's how pretty much how God wants us as well, that, that we give him, give him our total attention, that when we give him our total attention, we do mean it from our heart. We're, we're sincere about it. That we want him to know just how much con- how concerned we are and how we're pleased with him and, and when we're worshiping, that he's pleased with our worship, that it, it is, as you say, it's not phony. It's just not something that we're emulating because someone else does it. But because my worship won't be like your worship and it won't be like the next person because each of us have our own different place and our own different blessings or, or how God has brought us through and how God has worked on us. And sometimes my worship may just be of tears because I'm just happy of, of, of where he's brought me from and, and where he's taking me to and what he's doing in me at that very moment. So I understand how different levels of worship affects in each and every one of us as individuals. You know, sometimes if I don't cry, sometimes all I can do is just hold my hand up high just to, 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 to affirm to him that I'm surrendering my all to him. And sometimes it's, it's just, it may just be a dancing that I'm, I'm, there's no words inside that all I can do is just praise him in, in the movement of my feet. So I do understand uh, how everyone's worship is different because each and every one of us have a different uh a life, as you said, he's made each and every one of us individuals totally different. None of us have the same DNA. And so each of us go through our own places in our relationship with him. And so I can understand how it, it does come from, uh, I, I, that our, our worship does come, you know, totally from our hearts, our minds, and our spirits, and our souls. So I understand that uh, it's almost like we put all four of them together, and it's the total being of who he's made us to be. So I just, uh, 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 as I say, reflect back over just what he's doing. And, and I do understand, as you were saying, that we have to learn to, to take ourselves out of, of that repetitive of saying words over and over again and and, and just let it flow from our heart and, and, and think of it as if we're talking to our best friend on the phone. Because as you say, when we're talking to people on the phone, our friends or our family, people that we just really trying to get a story uh, through or just really trying to tell them something that's exciting or something that's happened to us, we don't repeat, as you say, the same words because it's so many words because of the excitement in us. And so I think we just have to pretty much take our worship to that same level uh, as if we, we're trying to talk to our best friend and understand that God is our best friend. He's our, our only and true friend and reflect on him and, and let him actually know how much we do care and how much we, we, we reflect on him and how much we know we can't make it without him. That's it. Amen. Praise God. And and I think we had, and the, the question on tonight was, uh, which is the, which is more pleasing to God right now, my public worship or my private worship, and what will I do? about this, and, and as you shared, and I, I think, you know, we're all in agreement that uh, it, uh, he is more pleased uh, just from going through the study of our private worship, um, and, it, and it's not about uh, what we have on, it's not about uh, where we worship, it, it's why we worship and, and who we worship, and that it's sincere, and that and it comes from our heart. Uh, and even to the point that yes, we we come and we learn about uh, prayer and, and worship as we're young, 
uh, from other people. Um, but as we mature and as we grow, we find our uniqueness and what God has put inside of us. And then our worship comes from our, our personal testimony. It comes from our personal experience because we've all been through different things. And, and we know that God has done something different from us compared to somebody else. Nobody has the same story. In fact, the song says, you don't know my story. Uh, and from that story, that is where the depths of, of my worship, your worship, and, and anybody else's worship it comes from that personal testimony, which means that in my story and in my communication with God, there's a uniqueness there, uh, and there is a communication that I'm not trying to uh, uh, pray the same way everybody else's else prays, but I am praying from the heart because there is a story that I need to tell him uh, that is unique. It is a story uh, of what he did for me. It is a story of how I love him. And in that story, my story is different from somebody else. That is my communication to him. And from that story, it moves to elevating and praying in the spirit, praying in the Holy Spirit, you know, and it moves to that place that I go to a higher level of communication with him, that he begins to speak to me at a higher level. That gives me instruction so that then my worship then becomes public because now I can hear the voice of God and can share God's word because now I can hear prophetic word for him to share with somebody else or I can hear God then give me the wisdom to go and to, to help somebody or to uh, feed somebody or, to, or uh, to direct somebody or to be there for somebody or to hold somebody because now my communication line is open, my friendship line is open with him that now he takes me to a different level of worship that becomes public. So it's not public for other people to see, but it becomes an action of public so that then I can begin to use my body as a living sacrifice that he can use and be inside of me and use me so that he can deliver his message to the world. Amen. Are there any other comments before I close out? Amen. Praise the Lord. So we're just we're we're glad of what God is doing uh, in this study. And in fact, I'm so happy we actually got through the end of that study, uh, and we 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 completed it. Amen. So we're going to be uh, uh, next week. We're going to be looking at when God seems distant. So we're going to be talking about when God seems distant. When when we don't seem to hear from him, it seems like he is afar off. It seems like he don't hear us. So we're going to be talking next week about when God seems distant. So if you have somebody that, that just is, is even said to you, you know what, I, it don't seem like I hear from him. It don't seem like he answered my prayer. Then tell him to be on the call on tonight, on to next week because we're going to be talking about when God seems different, uh, distant. Amen. And, and for the scripture, uh, that you can look at will be in Isaiah uh, chapter 8, verse 17. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 17, that says, The Lord has hidden himself from his people, but I trust him and place my hope in him. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for your message on tonight. We thank you, God, for your word and you sharing with us that it sowed a seed 
that it will grow up inside of us, and then in due season it will produce good fruit. We thank you, Lord God, that we worship you, God, in spirit and in truth. Uh, No shape, form, or fashion, but, God, we worship you with our emotion. We worship you with our love. We worship you with our truth, our honesty. We just pour out to you on tonight just thanking you, God, for what you've done already. If you never did another thing, Lord God, we have enough to give you praise for. We have enough to worship your holy name because of what you've done already. Just you sacrificing your life that we may have eternal life and free from death is enough enough right there. So we just thank you. We thank you, God, for those that are on the call and, and those that will listen to this recording because we know that this recording, when they listen, it will be in due season. It will be the right time for them to hear your word. So we just thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity to share. We thank you, God, for this ministry. We thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing with the bridge. We just thank you, Lord God, for the overflow and the blessings that you're providing. We thank you, God, for the promise that you laid before us, the plan that you scripted out. We thank you, Lord God, and we just we just come in expectation and anticipation, Lord God, of the next level that you're taking us to. So we just give you praise on tonight, and, and we just pray blessings and, and pray that you will bring us back again at, at the appointed time to study your word in more depth, uh, and just pray that you will be with us this week, wherever we may be, that your angels would encamp around us and that their wings would protect us and that they would cover us and our families, Lord God, and, and, and to just to be with us. So we just give you all praise. We give you all glory and honor in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Again, this has been Minister T, and you join us with the Bridge Network International. You can check us out at www.thebridgenetworkintl.org. Uh, also, on Sundays, if you're in the Chicagoland area, in the High Park area, come by and visit us at 1.30. We're at the University Church in the uh, on the second floor in the upper room, uh, 5655 South University Street in Chicago, Illinois. And don't forget to invite a friend to our life application Bible study as we're studying Purpose Driven Life on Monday nights at 7.30, amen. So, we just pray that you would tell a friend and have them to join in. We just give uh, praise and blessings unto the God. We say God bless you on tonight, and we'll see you next week. This is Med Minister T. Amen. God bless. Amen.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.